if you are a retail operator, which I would assume the majority of this audience is, you understand the huge time constraints that most retail operations have on its owners. Retail stores in and of their nature are typically open with the amount of hours that it takes for the customers to come into their business. As a result of being open so many hours and, and needing to be uh, available for either Maybe you're not working in the stores, but you have to be available for employees at a certain amount of hours every day. If that is the case, it can be a huge pull on you as an entrepreneur to have this amount of hours that you can hardly ever check out from your business. As a result, sometimes your health can suffer as a result. You can have a lack of sleep. You can have a lack of um, ability to check out from your business and have a mental rest every now and then. There's a lot of ways that being a business owner can actually harm your health. Our guest today is very familiar with this. He was running a very large business and had some things come up in his business that were uh, some changes that politicians made uh, that directly affected his business. And as a result, he found himself working until he uh, had such poor test results in his health, trying to figure out what was wrong with him. He had such poor test results that he actually thought he had cancer at 30 years old. Our guest and I talk about the harmful effects that owning a business can have on your health, and that is this idea of mental health as well. And I hate that word. I, I hate the, the spammy, weird uh, uh, way that that makes you feel and, and how you need to have all this mental health. It makes me feel like a, a millennial, which I am, I guess, technically, but makes me feel like this guy that doesn't want to work or anything. And, and, and Chris and I both talk about how working hard is one of the most important things of owning a business. So that's not it. But we talk about not this idea of work-life balance, but instead this work-life counterbalance. So when there are seasons of working very hard and, and working long hours and things like that, we have to counterbalance that with seasons of not working hard or times that we do take time off and times we do spend time with family or leave our devices away from us. That is all, what our episode is about today, and I hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on the show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. My guest name today is Chris Michael Harris. He is the founder of Startup U, an interactive online learning platform that teaches entrepreneurs how to take an idea or an existing business and turn it into a highly successful and profitable company. Having founded bootstrapped and scaled multiple startups to seven plus figures in his mid to late twenties. Chris, Chris's dreams of the business building came to an abrupt halt when he received terrible lab results just weeks shy of his 30th birthday. 
Looking at the possibility of cancer and a significantly shortened life, Chris immersed himself in health and wellness, treating and eventually reversing his chronic condition over the next four years, but doing so through natural remedies and lifestyle dietary changes. Chris, I think that health is something that is not talked about very often in the business world. But of course, if you don't have your health, it is something that um, you are obviously out of business if you either don't feel good or or can't uh, perform in in your business. So um, that's the topic today, and it sounds like it's something that's pretty close to your heart. Yeah, you know, and it, it was the thing is, it's kind of become the orthodoxy uh, to just sleep when you're dead. You know, hustle, grind, all these words are things we hear when it comes to starting a business. And I'm not opposed to those things. I think the thing is, is that you have to adopt a new approach to how you're preparing your body for that battle because it is it is burdensome. Um, there were some chronic ailments that kind of catalyzed my uh, dissension into having serious health issues. But I see it time and time again, and we're seeing it more and more with our students where they're expressing things like feeling burned out, not having a lot of energy. You know, not, you know, feeling sluggish, brain fog. Like these are all things that we're hearing more and more of. And then obviously the what we've been through the past couple of years in the world with the pandemic has really kind of highlighted that, not just in the business space, but really, if we're being honest, um, our, our need to really put health more on the, the, the front side of things versus the back burner, which I think most of us have done. So, um, yeah, it, it had a huge role. And I had to take, as you mentioned, I had to take four, almost five years off almost completely uh, I was still doing things and still monetizing and coaching and stuff like that, but not the business building stuff that I really wanted to be doing. Was the business I I'd read something that your business that you were currently in when you really started having health struggles was was it the rental truck business or was that a different time? Uh, yeah, so it was a it was an, it was a moving company, and then we also did furniture installation or the, or the moving the moving business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Started as a residential moving company for college, and kids. they had changed the regulation or something, right? Yeah. So what happened was. <laughs> Randomly, the Georgia Department of Public Safety decided they were no longer going to allow moving companies like ours to, to, to operate without their own vehicles. You could not use rental trucks any longer because basically with a rental truck, you don't have to have uh, all the USDOT numbers and registration and stuff like that because you're utilizing that from somebody else. Uh, so they changed their ruling pretty much out of nowhere. And so any company like mine, you know, that were – there might have been sh some shenanigans if I'm being totally candid – but I think some of the bigger box moving companies, some of the nationwide <laughs> players, were getting frustrated by people like me and other companies like myself. There are plenty of them. I could cite four or five off the top of my head that really were causing disruption. And I think there were some shenanigans that kind of went on that it wasn't just me, but several others that were starting to get noticed that they had to buy their own trucks, which is a monumental expense, not just the purchase of the vehicle. You've got to get to a standard market for work comp. You've got to get somebody to cover the truck. I mean, you're talking about a $200,000 expense just to get one truck operational. For a startup business, that's really difficult. Yeah, so my the the general audience of my podcast is family retail businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, it is often the case with family retail business owners that – um, especially with any retail business, there's a certain amount of hours that the business is open. It's not um, like a lot of other businesses that you have a certain amount of orders or you have a certain amount of um, things that you need to accomplish with a retail business. Typically, there's a certain amount of hours that you have to be somewhere or maybe you're not there in person, but you have a certain amount of hours that things can go wrong and you have to be available. Um, right. Do you think that this idea of, of – 
your health being harmed or affected, do you think that that is from working a sheer amount of hours like a retail person might be um, guilty of? Or do you think it's like uh, a lack of sleep or, or a lack of uh, dieting decisions and things like that? What is, what is your opinion on that? I think it's all of the above. Uh, I think it's definitely stress. Uh, and I, my labs came back even recently and my, my oxidative stress is still super, super high. It's just the nature of being a business owner. It's just what we put our bodies through, uh, to be able to perform at a level that we need to perform. As you mentioned, yeah, you might have set hours for your business, but when you go home and your business is closed, I guarantee you're still thinking about it. I guarantee you you're still having discussions about it. Um, so that that's going to affect your sleep. A lot of people are, are now very sedentary. In fact, I was just reading an article, a blog by Ben Greenfield, who's tremendous, by the way, if, if you want to follow somebody for really good health insight. Um, 113% increase in insulin resistance if you have a sedentary desk job, regardless of how dialed in your diet is. So you could be eating all the things. And I'm not a big believer in kale. I don't think kale is actually very good for you. And that's kind of a controversial statement. But uh, for those that are on the fence and hate kale, there's probably a good thing for you to know. <laughs> but my point is this. If you sat around and ate salads and your diet was dialed in all, dialed in all day long, and then you just sat, sat around at your desk behind a, behind a computer screen, you would still ha start showing insulin-resistant markers, which is what was happening with me too. I was showing insulin-resistant markers. We were not up. We're not moving around. We're not out. We're not in nature. We're not doing things that are counterbalanced to the extremes of the lifestyle of running a business, of being a business owner. So whether that's diet whether that's the physical activity and movement, uh, whether that's making sure that you're getting proper sleep, you're, you're disengaging, which is really hard for type A driven entrepreneurs. They're always thinking about the next thing they need to be working on. For me, it's so hard to disengage. I just did a personality, you know, professional assessment. It was like disc plus like three others. And one of the guy, one of the things the guy told me, which was mm -hmm. so true. And I'm sure many entrepreneurs are probably this way as well. I'm a high D and I'm a high I I'm a low S and I'm a low C. He's like, you probably, a lot of people probably perceive that as a positive because you're always on. You're always thinking about the next thing. You're always go, 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 go. But that low S tells me with the disc that you can't turn it off. And to you, it probably feels like a curse. And I was mm. like, dude, you're speaking my language. Like, it's totally the case. And so there's so many of us that that's mm. the case. We don't have healthy counterbalance. And notice I'm saying counterbalance, not balance. I'm not a believer in balance. I don't think it's possible. I think it's too sacrificial. As a business owner, what gives you strength is operating in the extremes. What makes it magical and, and allows you to do sure. things like growing to multiple seven figures is operating in those extremes, is being all in. This is not a dip a toe in the pool and see how it goes situation. And I see people fail at entrepreneurship because they're not willing to be all in. That's important. So don't dismiss and hear me say, okay, well, you need to back off. You know, don't worry about growth. You know, take it slow. Go mm. eat. There's a pace at which is efficient. But you also have to be all in. What I'm suggesting is we have to have appropriate counterbalance measures and guardrails to make sure that we are doing what's best for ourselves so that we don't get our business thriving and then we're crawling. Because my business was exploding and I was tapping mm. out. And, it, and I didn't have – at that point, I wasn't far enough along to be able to afford the resources I needed to be able to hand it off, hire a CEO, take some time off, what have you. And moreover, now you're talking about a four- to five-year recovery. Imagine how much opportunity cost that is four to five years of having to recover and spend time on doing the things that I didn't do because I was balls of the wall, doing all the wrong things and not being mindful of how I was going to be focused on longevity, not just the here and now. So it sounds like, you know, stress might've been one of the main contributors to the situation that you 
found yourself in. And a lot of it was external things that you couldn't have helped. Um, you know, obviously them changing the, the law and things like that was something that you couldn't have avoided. But if, if stress is one of the main contributors that you think, how can an entrepreneur, um, fend off that stress? How can, how can they learn to unplug or, um, to, you know, have certain amount of times that they can actually just stop thinking about the issues that they're having in their business? Yeah. Wow. So great question. Uh, I think one of the first things you can do is digital detox. Uh, I have, I have deleted most social media from my phone. Hmm. Uh, I think our, we are so just literally married to our phones now that it is just, you're constantly on. And we don't think about this. And I'm going to challenge somebody, some, some people's paradigms on this. We wake up and we don't think of our brain like a muscle. So let's say, let's, let's say scenario here. Let's say you woke up and I got in front of your face and said, you're going to bench press 500 pounds right now. No questions asked right now, 500 pounds. You'd be like, that's crazy. Or you're going to run a marathon. Maybe that's too unrealistic for people yeah. to think about, you know, 500 pounds. You're going to run a marathon, go outside and run right now. You're like, well, I got to warm up. I got to eat. I got to stretch. Mm -hmm. I got to do all these things. Your brain is no different. So think about this. If I told you, you're going to run 18 hours a day with no breaks and you're never going to turn it off. That's what we do to our brains constantly. Mm -hmm. And the biggest culprit of that are our cellular devices because we go from one screen to another screen to mm -hmm. another screen to a television screen to, um, to a laptop screen to a tablet screen we are engaged all day long and that plays a huge role in your stress which leads to high oxidative stress it means you have more free radicals and not enough antiox antioxidants in your blood or in your body right that can lead to cancer and a plethora of other things down the road so that's the first thing is give yourself bandwidth right when i'm in my office and i'm working my phone is nowhere near me I take breaks, and when I do take breaks, I go for walks. I go for three walks a day. It doesn't have to be crazy. I'm not telling you to go be a nomad and walk around the town, but a good 10 to 15-minute walk every single day, <laughs> getting outdoors, getting fresh air, getting away, all things are going to help. The next thing is going to be hobbies. What hobbies do you have? I'm a big fan of group workout. I do spin class every Tuesday. I do yoga every Saturday. These are things that I do to be in communion with other people that pulls me outside of this literally this immersive space that I'm in where I'm always focused on my business. What are you doing for fun this week? Make sure you're doing something at least twice a week with your significant other. So my wife and I have a rule, two activities. There's no phones allowed. It just has to be her and I doing something, whether that's dinner, whether that's a movie, whether that's something, it doesn't matter. If you're on a tight budget right now, go to the park, go, you know, go rent a kayak for $10 for a couple hours and ride around a kayak. Like, these are all things that you can do to take yourself away and have those boundaries in place. The next thing I would say is this, is to have red flags. And if you have an accountability buddy or another partner or whatever the case may be, have that person uh, document or notate or have them look out for your red flags. When you're starting to do things, when your personality, when your sense of humor is going away, uh, when you look a little tired, when you haven't been working out as much, when you've been kind of slacking and you know all of a sudden you're showing up with fast food often, right? Because you're too tired to make meals or you're too stressed to even think about those type things. Have them call you out on that because you may find yourself, and oftentimes this was the case with me, I can sit here in hindsight and say, oh, all the signs were there. But at the time, you're so convicted and so married to your mission, to your purpose and what you're trying to accomplish with your business, you don't notice. And next thing you know, you're this entirely different person that is literally having no fun, spending no time with friends, ne neglecting the relationship, spending all your free time on your phone because you're just desperate to get away or try to get away, which doesn't end up, which is a trick. It just gets you more engaged with something else. So all these things are absolutely huge as far as making sure that you are protecting your mental space, mental clarity. We are terrified of silence. 
I'm a big fan of listening to classical music in my spare time. When I go for a walk, I'm listening to binaural audio. Mm. I'm doing things that kind of lower brainwave frequency more from gamma beta down to more theta range where I'm in my creative space, which in turn then leads to the kind of epiphany moments that have me break through in the business anyways. So we place too much emphasis as business owners on doing time and not enough time on what Dave Asprey, one of one of the guys that I follow, uh, on uploading time. He said, you need a reframe. Don't call it off time, call it uploading time. It's the same thing when you're up, when you're updating your phone. Hmm. When you're when there's a new iOS update on your phone, you can't use your phone for a little bit. But it's because it's augmenting the phone. It's making it better. It's fixing bugs and issues and things of that nature so that it's a better performing optimized device. We are no different, but we don't give ourselves time to go through that uploading process. So whatever that looks like for you, I'm telling you things that look like for me. I go to some extraordinary links and I'm involved with things that I enjoy doing. Uh, make sure you're doing those things on a frequent basis. Happiness, all those things, that is not a destination. They are what's going to get you to where you want to be is by doing those things. It's like when you remove those things from yourself, you lose part of who you are, right? And it's like, well, I'll, I will you know, go on vacations when I'm rich. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go to the gym again when I can get over this hump and make more money. Dude, those are the things that are going to get you there. That's what you need to equip yourself for that journey, not put aside at the end of the day as some kind of a destination. Man, I uh, read a book recently called The Comfort Crisis. I don't know if you've read that or not, mm -mm. but um, in that book, he talks about a lot of studies that um, boredom is one of the main contributors to creativity, yep. and he links a lot of uh, different studies. He was on this uh, extended hunting trip, and he talked about how he didn't have he didn't even have his phone with him, and how we have escaped the ability to even stand being with ourselves with nothing else around, yep. not talking to anyone, just sitting in silence and being bored and how that is where your brain can actually have a lot of this rest period that you're talking about. Yep. Um, so it's very um, crazy amount of studies that he had cited in this book um, that goes right along with your, your points that you're saying. I do sensory deprivation, AKA float therapy, but basically go into a, huh. a float tank it's completely dark. There's no sound in it. The water is, they put, um, it's basically, it's basically Epsom salt, but it's like, I think it's like a thousand pounds of, or thousands of sure. pounds of Epsom salt inside the tank. So you literally float. It's 10 times more dense, uh, the salt concentration than the Dead Sea. But man, you're in there for a full hour in pitch black with nothing but your thoughts. It is painful. And you'll realize mm. just how much <laughs> we're constantly on, just how much we're constantly engaged. When you're in there 15 minutes and you're like, I'm dying right now. Like, I literally can't get through 15 minutes of pure science. <laughs> it is terrifying. But I do that as a mechanism like you're talking about. Uh, 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 I'm glad you brought that book. There's another book that I would, I would also bring up people look into called The Shallows. And it talks about how we're literally changing our brains due hmm. to our techno, you know, technological society. Uh, and it's actually affecting the depth at which we think. Um, and so that deep level thinking, hmm. the, those are – right? Like we live in such a microwave society – and, and really, the, the, the true breakthroughs, the true innovation doesn't necessarily come from scrolling through and watching other people on social media. It comes from deep thought and consideration about problems in the world that you feel that you are uniquely qualified to solve and then finding a new way of doing those things that's better or that, that serves an underserved uh, – or, or the better equips, rather, an underserved segment of the market. So I think it's huge. And to your point, I go to extraordinary links – as hard as it is for me being ADHD to the max, uh, I, I will go to extraordinary links to try to be in silence. And it sucks. I hate it, but it's so effective. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I I wanted to talk about the red flags that you talked about, how um, there's a certain amount of uh, things that you should have set up to where you can recognize that you are in this danger zone of, of burnout or, or harming yourself, um, your, even your physical health or your mental health or whatever it might be. And I appreciated you talking about at the very beginning how – there is no balance necessarily that you should be going for that we will oftentimes be out of balance, especially when we're trying to build a large business or something. Um, but you never mentioned in the, these red flags that you talked about necessarily a amount of hours that somebody works. Um, do you think that those should be red flags or do you think that that is um, all relative to different people and at different times of their life? Yeah, I would never say. Now, there are ample studies that suggest that actually when you start to exceed 30 to 40 hours, you actually see diminishing returns on your work so much so. And I don't want to quote it specific because I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's beyond 60 or 70 hours in a week. You, your work is so counterintuitive that you actually will start to undo the productivity of the first 30 to 40 hours that you work in a week. Right. So so every hour beyond hmm. 40, you start to have, see law, you start to see law of diminishing returns. So I'm not here to tell somebody I have more than done my fair share of exceeding 50, 60, 70 hours in a week. I'm not going to sit here and tell you never do it. And, and I think that's why we, I, I like the, the term counterbalance, which is I'm pulling that from the book The One Thing by Gary Keller, which mm -hmm. is literally like kind of – that is my go-to source for just remembering sure. how to operate as an entrepreneur. Um, but, but you may have a season – Let's say you have a quarterly goal, and I'm a big fan of quarterly goals. I'm, I'm a fan of having one goal per quarter, so four major goals a year. And a lot of people are like, four goals a year? Bro, that is so mm -hmm. weak sauce. And it's like, no, no, no. Those four goals are going to help you make millions of dollars because you're <laughs> going to nail them. You're going to make sure they're the right goals that you should be seeking, the most impactful goals. Because we as entrepreneurs mm -hmm. operate with task, taskmaster mentality. And the first thing I tell clients is you need, to, you need to divorce your taskmaster because you're operating as though you're in a job. And you've got your list, and you're, you're checking it twice. That is not how an entrepreneur operates. Entrepreneurs figure out what are the of all of the things, what are the what are the top two to four things, or even as more specifically, what's the one thing right now that I could be doing that is going to make the biggest impact? Because then guess what you do? You conquer that area. Let's say that's getting an offer scaled out, and you make half a million dollars over the next year off of that one offer because you've got a proven sales system and you can run on autopilot, and run ads to it, or whatever, right? Well, guess what? We can start hiring support. We can hire a social media person. We can start hiring the things that we need, the things we don't like to do versus you trying to tick those boxes all the time. So it's accepting and embracing that the one thing is more important than the many things. You have to divorce your taskmaster in the process. Now, that velocity towards that one thing and meeting that goal, I'm not opposed to saying, hey, this is going to be a sprint. This next month to hit this end of this quarterly goal is going to take a lot out of me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to carve out a plan. And oftentimes we don't do this. We wake up and we just, I'm here for work. I, I punch my clock. I'm here to work. And it's like, yeah. you need to have an execution plan. You need to think more strategically. You need to think about, okay, here's the deal. I know I'm going to be engaged in some long days right now. So what do I need to do? I need to look at supplementation. I need to make sure that I really up my fun time, that I'm really spending time with my friends on the weekend because I know my five days of work week is going to be really, really tough. And maybe you're working six days a week, right? Many entrepreneurs are. In fact, I think it was like 25% mm -hmm. entrepreneurs are working six Oh, I'm sorry, 50% are working seven, 20% are working six days a week. So we're working a lot, right? But you need to make sure huh. that you are equipping wow. yourself with what you need for that long sprint. Then, and this is really important, let's say it is a 50, 60 hour a week sprint that you're doing for about a month, right? Then what you want to do is this. We have to reward ourselves because you want to trick and, and, and hack your, your neurological wiring. 
You want to give yourself that massive dopamine hit for achieving that goal. Most people, they do specifically type A's. It's just, they finish it and they're off to the next one. There's no celebration of finishing or conquering mm -hmm. this major thing. It's just off to climb the next mountain. I, I, and my wife and I are about to do this right now, literally, because we're up at, up at the end of the, the quarter. We're getting ready to go in the early April. I'm not working for the next week and a half after this. After this week, I'm taking a week and a half off because it's been a hell of a quarter. And we've had a hmm. lot of big things that we're moving around, a lot of big things we're doing. And I can feel myself kind of slowly. I'm not as motivated or fired up about the work. I'm kind of a little bit sluggish. My workouts, I feel like I'm kind of dragging myself to the gym. I feel myself needing that recharge. So we're going to take a week and a half off. We're going to go on vacation, just a local staycation, not a major thing. I'm not sort of spending thousands and thousands of dollars, but we're going to recharge. So have something that you want to do, and you got to have four major things you want to do for the year. Hey, uh, I really want to go check out this town for three days. Or, hey, I really uh, you know, want to go see my, my family, right? So I'm going, to take, I'm going to take a long weekend, Friday to Monday, and I'm just going to hang out with my family after this quarterly goal because I need that break. Or you're going to buy yourself something that you've been wanting to buy. Whatever the case may be, have those goals that are, that are associated with those major, major initiatives that you have, those four major goals you have for the year. Have a reward at the end of that journey so that if you, you're motivated about the next one. All right, cool. I'm back. I'm ready to get after it. What's the next quarterly goal? What's my reward? And make sure you have those things because it's going to be super, super effective. And then while you're going throughout, the, throughout your, your journey here, if you feel a week that you're kind of a little sluggish, Listen to yourself. Your body is super intelligent. So I'm, I've gotten a lot more intuitive as I've gotten more mature as an entrepreneur. I'm analyzing, okay, how am I feeling today mm -hmm. and why? What did I eat? How did I sleep? What's going on? Where's my mind? Am I on social media too much? I'm watching too much news. Am I doing this? Am I not spending enough time with friends? Am I not spending enough time with my wife? Analysis, right? And if you need to write these things down and check them off a list, did I spend time with my wife today or this week? Yes. Do I feel like we're connected? Yes. Did I spend time with my friends? I kind of haven't done that in a while. I think I really need some social time, right? So hold yourself accountable to those things and just make sure that you are providing what you need for yourself. And I keep stating this, but it's so important that you are, you are being malleable. If you need to cut back and say, you know, I'm really sluggish right now. I'm going to start cutting uh, Friday afternoons. I'm going to cut out and I'm going to go outside because it's spring and it's beautiful. And I have a jet ski, which I do. And I go on Fridays and that's, that's my non-negotiable. I go out on my jet ski on Fridays is what I do. <laughs> Right. And that's, that's what I'm going to do because I have to keep my sanity, my mental sanity. So don't guilt yourself. Don't be a tyrannical boss to yourself. Treat yourself like you're an employee. If a boss saw an employee that was really burning, I'd be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, like, are you, am I working too hard? You feel like you're yeah. not taken care of. You're not appreciated. Or you're not getting enough sleep. Like what well, seems like you're really lacking. Treat yourself in that same capacity. If you start treating yourself like an employee and putting yourself in a position to succeed, you're going to find that you're going to start looking at yourself more as an asset to the company, not just this thing, this machine that you expect to wake up and turn on and go every single day. Mm. So you talked about a lot about uh, mental rest and these red flags and things like that. But um, I think that talking about um, looking at your website and listening to podcasts that you've been on and things like that, you've, you've spent time talking about uh, certain ways of dieting and, um, this idea of working out and exercise and things like that, I know are important to you. Um, do you think that those things also contribute to 
running a better business, having a better, uh, more successful company in that sense of, you know, obviously the sense of you'll feel better and you'll live longer. We know that <laughs> those are things right. that are proven obviously. Um, and so that's important to your business, but do you think that it actually makes, can make you have better decisions, be more patient with your employees and customers and things like that? How do you feel about dieting and exercise? Yeah. Well, I, I, this is the metaphor I always give people. So imagine you're a NASCAR, you, you, you'd race for NASCAR, right? Meaning you're not just driving your Honda Civic around neighborhood roads. You're pushing hard. You're pushing 200 miles an hour around a track, racing other people, balls mm -hmm. to the wall, full intensity. Imagine then you had no gauges. You didn't know if you're running a gas. You didn't know if your engines were running. You didn't know if your, your engine's running hot. You didn't know. You didn't have any idea what was going on. Nothing. That is the equivalence of what I do. So I wear, I wear bio watches. I have a smart bed. I do labs once mm. a year, and they don't have to be crazy. You can mitigate the expense with labs. You could do. I go up the street for two hundred bucks, and they mm. uh, to to a place that does and walk in labs, and I do my male comp. I see where I'm at. Do I have any vitamin deficiencies? Where am I with my testosterone? As a man, if you're running low on testosterone, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel sluggish. You're going to feel demotivated. You're not going to feel fired up. That's mm. huge. So, I'm a big proponent of looking under the hood of seeing what's going on wearing devices to see how I'm operating. This thing will notify me. This is a Garmin. Um, I had the Vivo Smart. This one is the, uh, I'll have to notify, I'll have to, the Venu. I'm sorry, the Venu. I've had plenty, I've had a ton of these that I've reviewed and stuff. This is the Garmin Venu. I just got mm -hmm. this one a couple weeks ago. But <laughs> it literally has a thing called body battery. Uh, and it, it literally will tell you just that. Here, it's, ba it's based off their algorithm, which includes HRV, heart rate variability, and some other factors. They don't specify exactly what it is. But I found it to be fairly accurate. But it tells you, how charged up are you? If you walk around and you're taking your phone with you and you're not plugging it in, that phone's going to die on you somewhere, right? Like so, so that you're mindful of. Okay, gotta yeah. have a charger in my car. Gotta have one at the office. Gotta have one here. Gotta have one at home next to the bed. Like you gotta have. Like, but we don't do that for ourselves. It's crazy. Um, so huge fan of that. Like huge fan of making sure. And that's one of those you know guardrail kind of things. I know when I can push and when I can't. If my I wake up, my body battery's at a thirty. I'm not pushing that day. I'm going to do some light work, maybe some creative work. Maybe I'll read that day. Maybe I'll go through some online training, whatever. But I'm going to I'm going to adjust my day accordingly because guess what? I'm I'm not I'm my engine's running hot, obviously, and I need I need a cool down period. So so that so I'm I'm a big fan of that. I think if you can get this is like a hundred bucks on Amazon, you can get something very similar. Does the exact same thing, hmm. whichever one you prefer. There's a ton of them on the market, but again, the Garmin's are really powerful. As long as it has body battery, I think that's like an entrepreneur's best friend. It also pings me when I'm stressed. So it'll ping me and be like, hey, chill out, bro. Like, you're getting a little hype here. Like, you know, have you do some breathing exercises. So really, hmm. really effective. So that's huge. Now, you asked about dieting. Uh, I'm not a fan of fad diets. I'm not. I'm a fan. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of standardized. I'm a fan of personalized diets. You see people be like, oh, you got to go keto, bro. And it's like, well, that maybe works for your biology for a variety of reasons. Uh, it could be because of environmental reasons. It could be that right now, like even I just did a lab. I have some genetic mutations. I have the MTHFR and I have the, the slow COMT genetic mutations. So for me, I have a tough time methylating carbs, meaning take, taking carbs and turning them into energy, which could eventually lead to insulin resistance, which is what showed up in my labs, which could lead to a plethora of other things like intestinal dysbiosis. Wow. Bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. Um, you have to find the one that works for you. And the best way you can do that is a food diary. How do I feel when I eat? Do I feel fired up? Do I feel really locked in? Do I have clarity? Or do I feel like I have brain fog and I feel like I'm taking a nap? Do I have bloating? 
right? Does it give me, do I burp a lot after I eat mm. certain foods? Keep that food diary, really dial in on the foods that work for you. And if you can afford it, like I mentioned, there are plenty of labs that you can do, some basic ones. Uh, one's called Viome, by the way, V-I-O-M-E. It's, a, it's an intestinal intelligence, gut intelligence test. And it tells you the foods that are best suited for you. So you eat those foods, right? It'll tell you ones to avoid because you might be having an IgG4 response, which means an inflammatory response. So you want to make sure that you craft a diet that works best for you. And all that's going to do is limit and mitigate the potential that you end up in burnout. Because having an inflammatory response to your food and then pushing yourself at work and working multiple you know, 60, 70, 80-hour weeks, that's going to raise that oxidative stress level through the roof, which in turn is going to raise your cortisol through the roof. You're going to feel terrible. Your body's going to be tapping out because it's like we can't handle any more stress. We just literally cannot handle any more. Free radicals are going mm-hmm. nuts. We cannot handle any more. So all those things are going to allow you to figure out, okay, where am I realistically? And the other thing too, and this is what I have found to be most helpful, is it tells me I'm not crazy. When I see something's wrong because I feel it subjectively Mm -hmm. and I have data to confirm that, then I can tell myself, okay, I've been running a little hard and I need to figure something else out. I need to go a different direction. Like I'm constantly doing something, testing new devices. I've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor on the back of my arm. Actually, I just took it off this morning. But it reads my blood sugar. So I'm managing how my, is my body responding to blood sugar, the things that I eat rather. How is my glucose responding to those things? So there's a million different things that you can do, and I'm not trying to overwhelm people here. The basics, the basics are get you a good device that measures where you're at. I, I, again, I recommend Garmin. And keep a food diary. How do you feel when you eat the, the, the foods that you eat? What makes you tired? What makes you feel energized? What makes you bloated, burping? If you're yawning in the afternoon, that's not a normal response. That is an accepted, standardized response because how suboptimal we are with our health nowadays. But that is not a normal response. You should feel fired up. How well am I sleeping? This is going to give you that. It's going to tell you how much deep you got. You need 10 to 15% deep. You need 20 to 25% REM every single night. If you didn't get it you got, a, you got and you're not getting it for a long period of time, I don't care how motivated you are. I don't care how disciplined you are. You are not going to be able to run the race because you're not getting rest. That's literally the, the foundation of health is getting enough rest. So having one of these devices is huge. Food diary, even better. If you can afford it and you've got an extra couple, maybe a couple thousand dollars, hire somebody in functional medicine. The power stack is medical doctor, cross-trained in, in functional medicine. So if you go to something like uh, F, um, uh, the F, uh, Functional Medicine Institute, I believe, I'll have to look up the link for you, but there's a functional medicine website where you can look up all of the functional medicine practitioners in in the whether they're in the world or in your country or your oh, neighborhood, wow. whatever, and find somebody an MD with Funk Med backgrounds, and that's like more of like a pro tip if you really want to take it to the next level. Have somebody look at those labs for you and help you create a plan. If you're running a multi seven figure business, you need to do this. Like you need to find somebody in functional medicine. I have a dietitian. I have multiple functional medicine practitioners. I work with a lot. Of, I have a health team because of what I'm trying to do in the world. I get that if you're just starting out in the hustle bustle. That's not money that is really adequately spent. So just do the prior things I mentioned. Get this, get this used, one of these watches used on Amazon Warehouse, and just monitor that and keep a food diary and just keep it simple. So you are doing a lot of things with a lot of different business owners. Not only do you have uh, your podcast that boasts several hundred episodes, I think you're over well over 300 episodes uh, for sure. And uh, you also have the uh, Startup You where you um, take entrepreneurs and help them in different areas. Give us, you know, a 10,000 foot overview of, of kind of the things that you have going on with, with that. Yeah. I mean, the big thing that we saw was in that first build, um, 
we just didn't know what the heck we were doing. Um, you don't learn how to build a business in school. You just don't. There's some <laughs> viable skills that you bring into to running a business, but largely, you know, it's crazy. I always tell people this. I'm like, if you went in to give somebody brain surgery and you just showed up on the day of brain surgery, you'd be like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And yet we're trying to do things like go build these businesses in the world. <laughs> and I'm certainly not suggesting that building a business is as complicated or as nuanced as brain surgery. I'm just suggesting that the thought process with literally everything else, we provide training. We seek out resources. We don't just wing it. Hmm. And with entrepreneurship, we just think that it's a good idea to just wing it and see yeah. what happens. You're putting your whole life on the line. You're risking all of your finances, many hmm. years, possibly your retirement savings or it's any crazy. savings in general. I mean, it's a very risky proposition to just jump off a cliff and figure it out. I think that mindset is, is effective. That's who I am. I jump off a cliff and I figure out to build a plan on the way down. But what I have learned is that's a painful way to go about doing it. <laughs> um, so what I have, what I have aimed sure. to provide is resources for people, right? Like, okay, here are the things you should be doing. Here are some lessons that I wish I had known before I jumped into it. Um, and it went from me coaching hundreds of people into, okay, how do we make this more affordable, more scalable to reach more and more people? So that's primarily what it is. A lot of it is marketing help because that's the big, that's what everybody wants. Everybody thinks they need marketing and they do. Um, if you can't, mar mm. I think, you know, uh, uh, everybody, everybody, everybody says, I think it was Peter Drucker said that everything comes down to two things in business. It's marketing or innovation, right? That's it. And so it's an important factor. And there's so many people just mm. the blind leading the blind mm -hmm. with marketing nowadays. So a lot of it, what we do is marketing help. Uh, but we also help more of our advanced students help them with scale, hiring, outsourcing, building systems, building processes, uh, raising money, right? How to go through the process of bringing on a partner, I mean, all of the really complicated things that can be so costly when you get on the road, but it's but it's online training first before you get to like the coaching level. So there's some pretty cool stuff we're doing there. Uh, and I just partnered with my business partner and I just kind of merged our brands together. So we've got uh, probably 60,000 plus students uh, and we've got, I would say probably 40, 50, 60. I think there's thousands of training videos in our, our Vimeo account. So quite a lot of training if wow. you're looking to run a business even a service-based business and use some more digital tools. Uh, those are all things that we provide in preparation for the final question. I do just want to say thanks for, for being on for sure. And, uh, thanks for all the information you have. Your, your website is full of, of different resources and, and, especially your podcast, you have tons of different advice on that. Um, but talking to someone like you, I, I really want to, you know, help somebody that perhaps is at this plateau. Maybe they are feeling burnt out. Uh, they haven't been getting the mental rest that we've talked about. They haven't been getting uh, a good diet, haven't been exercising at all. And, and maybe they are just wondering even if they're in the right career, or they're, they're just having, uh, something where they're at a point of burnout. Um, what would you say to someone that is plateaued given all the knowledge and that the uh, past experiences that you've personally gone through and that you see with other business owners? If you had to boil it down to just one thing, what would you say to that person? Gosh, there's a many. If I had to break it down to just one, I would say the first thing that's going to give start to give you reprieve <laughs> is to find other business owners that you can join a mastermind with. Uh, because it's likely they're going through something similar mm -hmm. and just sharing in that road, feeling like you're alone is probably one of the most demoralizing and defeating, uh, emotions that we can have as business owners. When we feel like all is lost, 
this is hopeless. Yeah. I'm the only person that's gone through this. And we don't actively tell ourselves this, but we subconsciously feel it. I think the biggest thing you can do is making sure that you have a tribe sure. of fellow business owner friends or acquaintances that you congregate with and you lean into uh, because you're going to share resources. Maybe one of them's feeling this way and this is what they did. Hey, you know, I really met this person or I started to go to acupuncture and that helped a lot. Okay, let me try that, right? So I feel like that is going to be – all these other things that I talked about are things that, that I've done. But I think the, the number one thing you can do, and I'll say this, my business coach – is what got me out of my situation. This dude is, is uh, I mean, he's died almost mm. like multiple times because of crazy stuff that's happened in his life. Not not his own, his own doing, but <laughs> literally like running his business from a hospital bed. So in my situation with my health diagnosis, knowing that that's what he had been through and came out of that okay and unscathed and was better off for it, it gave me hope. It made me feel like I can do this, all right? So he helped navigate that path. He helped navigate the legal thing. He helped navigate all these other aspects that having that guidance, mentorship, and leadership just normalized it, one. It's part of the process, right? It's part of being an entrepreneur, the challenge. He would tell me, welcome to the big leagues. You know, this is what happens. When, when you, the regulation starts coming after you, it's because you've made noise, and now you're on their radar. Welcome to the big leagues. This is part of running a business, you know? Uh, so I would say if, it's, yeah. if, it's a, if you can afford a coach like that, if, you, you know, if you're like, eh, I don't really know any people like business friends or whatever, Get a mentor. Get somebody that can help. And, or both. Or both. I've had both. I have both right now. I have coaches. Mm-hmm. I have mentors. Uh, and I have masterminds. And every single time I have conversations, I'm like, either they give you a different perspective or something you're missing. And sometimes they'll call you on your shit, too. They'll be like, hey, like, bro, something's off, man. Like, you need to check yourself. And obviously, yeah. for females, it'll probably be a different conversation. But something <laughs> – Something along the same lines, right? Uh, <laughs> but coaches are great about that, too. They'll call you on and be like, hey, man, kind of noticing, you know, this is going on. Like, you don't seem as fired up, as energized, as this and that. Like, what do you need to do? And here are the things that I do. And then you kind of brainstorm and come up with different ideas and stuff like that. So I, I really can't overstate that enough. No, Too many people are trying to go at it alone, building a business. It is the worst possible mm-hmm. thing you can do is try to go it alone. This journey of being an entrepreneur is lonely enough as it is. If you're trying to do this thing alone on, with how complicated it is, without coaches, mentors, and other mastermind friends or just accountability buddies, you're making your life way harder than it has to be. So again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I know I just went longer and longer and longer on this. But if I had to start one place among all the other things we just talked about, I think that's where I would start because I think it will lead to the other things we've talked about. Chris Michael Harris, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and and all the advice that you gave us. And if you need any more information about him or the uh, businesses that he is involved with or the podcast that he hosts, all of the show, all of the information will be in the show notes. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Steve.